Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 18th of October, and this is Govind Rajayathi Raj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital and the most rocking city in the world. Our top stories and themes for the day. Markets hold their breath as President Joe Biden is now slated to reach Tel Aviv today. Wheat prices continue to rise, hit an eight-month high. Trade wants import duty cuts. India's 143 lakh crore rupee infra spend in the next seven years is double of the previous seven. Bajaj Finance raises provisions for bad loans on the heels of Reserve Bank's warning of growth in personal loans a few days ago. Artificial intelligence will see a cold shower in 2024, says a leading internet research agency. And funflation, when prices of concerts you want to attend become unaffordable. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. Oil and markets hold steady. The bet obviously is that if the US president is landing up in your country, things will be calm at least for some time. Oil prices steadied on Tuesday after sliding more than a dollar on Monday even as the United States stepped up efforts to prevent an escalation of the war between Israel and Hamas. Brent crude futures were holding below $90 a barrel. at about $89.90 a barrel. President Joe Biden is slated to reach Israel today in what clearly is an all-out diplomatic effort to rein in the Israel-Hamas war. Yields in the US 10-year benchmark climbed beyond 4.7% on Monday overnight and the dollar strengthened. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken also returned to Israel to meet Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu after talks with Arab governments. The presence of President Biden in the region potentially lowers the odds of such an offensive in coming days providing markets with some breathing room if only for a small window an analyst told Bloomberg. Back home, Indian equities snapped a 3-day losing run with the BAC Sensex now surging 261 points to settle at 66428. The Nifty 50 was up 80 points higher at 19812. The rupee recovered after closing at a record low on Monday at 83.27 to close on Tuesday at 83.24. Small gains, but gains nevertheless. The dollar, just to remind everyone, shows no signs of easing up and continues to stay strong, putting pressure on currencies across the board, including, of course, the rupee. Gold prices are also now bottoming out around and closer to the 60,000 rupee per 10 gram mark in India, as its status as a safe haven has diminished somewhat globally. One, because Middle East tensions have eased, at least for now. And second, because US Treasury yields are more attractive for investors than putting money into gold. India's 143 lakh crore rupees spend on infra. India will spend nearly 143 lakh crore rupees on infrastructure in the next 7 years through 2030 more than twice the 67 lakh crore rupees spent in the previous 7 years starting fiscal 2017 rating agency crystal has said interestingly of this 143 lakh crore some 37 lakh crore will be in the nature of green investments which is a five time increase compared to the previous period of 2017 to 23 crystal also expects india's gdp to grow at an average 6.7% through to fiscal 2031 or the next 7 years to become the fastest expanding large economy more importantly per capita income is seen as rising from $2,500 or $2,500 right now to $4,500 in 7 years, thus creating a middle-income country. 
Crystal also projected that the next phase of infrastructure development will be marked by growth in the average ticket size of projects and a significant number of mega-scale projects. The rating agency also projected that prominent sectors such as road and power are expected to remain major contributors, while relatively nascent ones like electric vehicles, solar, wind and hydrogen will pick up pace. Speaking of electric vehicles, Crystal says the share of EVs in India's overall automobile sales is likely to touch 30% or a little less than one third in seven years time. And two-wheeler EV sales, which are in any case growing fast, are expected to outpace other segments in almost five years' time. The share for renewable energy in total capacity is expected to grow four times between 23 and 30, and solar could account for half of the incremental non-fossil generation. Wheat prices hit an eight-month high. Wheat prices in India surged to an eight-month high on Tuesday thanks to strong demand in the upcoming festival season, limited supplies and a 40% import duty that makes imports from overseas unviable for domestic flour mills. Wheat prices in New Delhi jumped by about 1.6% on Tuesday to about 27,390 rupees per ton, the highest since February 10th. Prices have risen by nearly 22% over the past six months, Reuters is reporting. The government has said as recently as last month, it has no plans to scrap a 40% import tax on wheat. As of October 1, wheat stocks in the government warehouses stood at about 21 million tons, sharply down compared to the five-year average of 37.6 or almost 38 million tons. India has managed to procure about 26 million tons of wheat from farmers in 2023 against target of 34 million tons, said Reuters. Now, the government estimates wheat output went up to a record 113 million tons in 2023. But the general belief is that the harvest is at least 10% lower than the farm ministry's estimate, which apparently is the case usually. Now, food inflation is down along with overall inflation levels at 5%, which we talked about last week. But cereals inflation is still running high at about 11%. And cereals, of course, includes wheat and rice. I reached out to Pramod Kumar S., president of the Roller Flower Millers Federation in Bangalore, and began by asking him why prices were shooting up as they are right now and what his outlook was for the next few months. Availability in the open market, number one. Number two, like what you said, the government's figures and the market figures are different, which is true. Government estimate is 113 million tons. The private trade estimate is between 90 to 102 million tons. So close to 100 million tons. So second thing also is one of the reasons for the prices to go up is the people are holding on to the wheat. Maybe the farmer, maybe the traders in the name of the farmer. So wheat is being held back because of low availability in the open market. And second thing is the opening stocks this year with the private trade was very low. That's why the procurement also was low and because the demand is also very high, everybody thinks there is no wheat available in the market actually. And whatever government is releasing, the quantity is too small, 100 tons a week is too little actually. Though the quantum of wheat is quite good, but this 100 tons is quite meager. So that is the reason the prices are going up and we have another 5 months to go from here. So that's quite a bit of time actually. So the festival season obviously always sees a spike. It would have seen a spike last year and it will see a spike this year. But is there any difference apart from that? The perception in the market is there is not enough of wheat in the market to sustain for the full year. So that is what the market feels. And with regard to your question on import duty of 40%, this 40% 
import duty tariffs were put around six or seven years back. It was at zero percent, went to ten, twenty, and then to forty. So that time India had huge production. India had huge stocks. Even right up to COVID, we had huge stocks of wheat and rice. So post when they started giving additional five kilo per person, the quantum got decreased. And subsequently, last year when the Ukraine war started, lot of wheat went out of India. So in India, the stocks in hand is very low right now, and uh, government should have. Reduce the import duty to zero by July itself. Actually, I think we are pretty late now. So why is there a gap between figure that the trade has and what the government is putting out? And it's a substantial gap from what I can see. It's almost ten percent. I mean that has been a normal trend in India, not from today, it's from from ages actually. Probably it is to control the prices or to make a feeling that enough of food is available. So this also works when you have surplus stocks. But when you are already deficit in your stocks, closing stocks. Talks in the market and demand. Actually, the government should be conservative in their figures and plan accordingly. That's what our feeling is. Of course, and you say that one reason prices are going up is because the trade has a clearer understanding of what the real stock is, which is low. People feel there's not enough of wheat for five months to go. So, if you were to now look ahead, and you talked about five months, which is the rest of this year and a little more, what's your outlook? What could happen, and what should the policy makers be doing? It can happen if the situation becomes very grave. Government will allow import of wheat, but before that, I think government is quite comfortable with their stocks. They can increase the quantum of release into the open market, probably during the Diwali season or whatever. So that is the only thing. And long term, I think we need to import some quantity of wheat in India to make ourselves more comfortable, or our productivity yes could go up, which is most unlikely at the moment. Right. So, what's the global availability for wheat? Assuming, let's say, if either duty was reduced to below forty or even to zero, is wheat easily available at this particular point of time? I think only at zero wheat can come in. At even at five percent or ten percent, wheat will not come into India. No, it will not come. Regarding availability, availability of two three million tons or what we may import is not a very difficult thing to be available in the world market. Because after this, you have the Australian crop coming in. I mean, I don't track international market. But black sea wheat is available. Pakistan is buying. Bangladesh is buying. Everybody is buying. So I don't think it will have a big impact on the market. Right. And let me supplement to that last question. So, what is the point at which prices become, in a way, unaffordable in India? What's the danger mark that you worry about? Delhi crossing twenty-eight rupees or something like that. Okay. So twenty-eight rupees is the danger mark in your mind. It's a perception. All these are perceptions. Otherwise, even thirty-two or twenty-two. I mean, it's all a figure actually. And the problem is the government is releasing wheat at twenty one fifty, almost two lakh tons per week. That is not having a cooling impact on the markets actually. Right, and perhaps that's why they should be acting faster. Pramod, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bajaj Finance raises provisions for bad loans. Consumer loan lender Bajaj Finance reported a lower than expected rise in second quarter profits on Tuesday as provisions for bad loans increased. Loan losses and provisions grew nearly 47% year on year in the quarter to 1077 crore up from 734 crore a year ago and it also rose sequentially from 995 crore rupees in April to June according to Reuters. A little more than a week ago the Reserve Bank had cautioned lenders about the fast growing personal loan categories for signs of early stress urging them to adopt stronger risk management practices. Now this was quite likely the first time Reserve Bank had publicly voiced concerns about the sharp growth in personal loans at least in recent years. 
The latest Reserve Bank of India data showed that personal loans grew almost 31% in August compared to 19% a year ago. Total credit to this segment stood at about 47 trillion rupees in August from around 36 trillion rupees the year earlier. Bajaj Finance's consolidated profit after tax, this was results after all, rose about 28% to 3,551 crore for the period ended September 23. Consolidated numbers of Bajaj Finance include the business of its subsidiaries Bajaj Housing Finance and Bajaj Financial Securities. Bajaj Finance, in an update earlier this month, says Reuters reported its new loan bookings climbed 26% year-on-year in the quarter, while its deposits book jumped 39%. More GST notices are being served. More GST or goods and service tax notices are being served. Casino company Delta is now looking at notices worth over 22,000 crore, as we mentioned yesterday. The latest to join the club is Dabur, the multinational consumer goods company, which has received a GST notice demand for 321 crore rupees, according to a regulatory filing by the company to the Bombay Stock Exchange. The filing said the claim was being reviewed by Dabur and it would be challenged. The company has been advised to pay the amount with applicable interest and penalty. Could AI turn out to be a damn squib? CCS Insight, a provider of research on technology markets, has said that generative AI will have a cold shower in 2024 as the reality of cost, risk and complexity replaces the hype of 2023. This forms part of some 85 predictions CCS has put out for the coming year. CCS Insight says the hype of 2023 has ignored several obstacles that will slow progress in the short term. The cost of deployment is a prohibitive factor for many organizations and developers. Additionally, future regulation and the social and commercial risks of deploying generative AI in certain scenarios result in a period of evaluation prior to rollout. Moving on from AI, CCS has made another interesting prediction, or two actually, that by the end of 2023, more than half of iPhones in use will be second-hand devices. Pre-owned devices as well as hand-me-downs make up more than 50% of the 1.3 billion iPhones in use by the end of 23, says CCS. And from 2024, the average life of an iPhone would be 8 years, it says. In contrast, used Android smartphones represent less than 25% of Android's installed base. Of course, we mostly throw away or replace our phones before their life really ends, but it's good to know how long they could last if we decide to make them last. I can easily see people spending three to four years at the minimum now on phones, the average I mean. CCS also says that EU legislation could be delayed and redrawn multiple times owing to the speed of AI advancement. The EU is in the process of regulating AI with the AI Act. However, the speed at which AI is advancing makes the construction of a robust and workable regulatory framework extremely difficult. This, of course, applies to the EU as much as it applies to any other country or most other countries. CCS says the deteriorating health of the Android ecosystem will see Google doubling down on its own hardware. And with little evidence to suggest a slowdown in iOS growth at the expense of Android, Google could respond by making bigger investments in its own hardware. And interestingly, 15% of smartphone users will have satellite-enabled devices by 2027, as major players like Apple, Qualcomm, MediaTek and Samsung collaborate with satellite providers such as GlobalStar, Iridium and Inmarsat. And satellite connectivity could become an essential feature for SOS capabilities and two-way messaging and contributing to, of course, a wider adoption of satellite-enabled smartphones. It does sound cool. And it's precisely the kind of thing which will give regulators in India sleepless nights. 
Companies will also establish and perhaps be forced to establish diverse oversight committees composed of AI ethics experts, legal advisors, data scientists, and representatives to review applications for AI in the business, set guidelines, conduct audits, and address ethical and legal concerns. So if you want to figure out what job to prepare yourself for a few years hence, well, that's your hint. Funflation. And before I go, the rising cost of fun is becoming a drag. Ticket prices for live entertainment events from Taylor Swift concerts to National Football League games and high-season Disney theme park visits rose at a startling rate this year, triggering a phenomenon that analysts have dubbed funflation, according to the Wall Street Journal. Nearly 60% of Americans say they have had to cut back on spending on live entertainment this year because it's too expensive, according to that same Wall Street Journal and Credit Karma survey of about 1,000 US consumers conducted at the beginning of September. Some 37% of respondents apparently said they can't keep up with the rising price of events they want to attend, while more than 20% said they are willing to take on debt to continue to be able to afford their favorite entertainment activities. Live music has seen massive ticket price spikes thanks to strong demand from consumers who are obviously willing to pay. Remember, cricket is seeing the same phenomenon in India, or at least similar. People were paying thousands of rupees for tickets and tens of thousands of rupees for hotel rooms and airfares in Ahmedabad just last week for an India-Pakistan match. And of course, some were even flying into the city in private jets and paying more for parking fees for the same. Music executives attribute funflation to the marketing power of social media and the globalization of pop music thanks to streaming, says the Wall Street Journal. And the average ticket price for North American tours has apparently now hit about $120 this summer, which is about roughly a 7% increase over last year and up 27% from 2019, which is the pre-COVID year, according to Polestar. Fans have shelled out for big-ticket shows, especially as more acts tour in stadiums for the first time says the Wall Street Journal, quoting Polestar, the top five touring acts globally, that's Taylor Swift, Bruce Springsteen, Harry Styles, Elton John, and Ed Sheeran, have racked up more than $100 million in sold ticket revenue during the first half of 2023. Over the past two decades, there were usually no more than one or two artists at that level. Many Indians travel out of India for concerts, including in the region, and spend hugely for cricket, as is evident in the present World Cup series, and for some favoured matches like the one last week between India and Pakistan. And don't, of course, forget the Indian Premier League or the IPL, which brings out the big bucks too. All of this means that the services economy will boom, prices will rise from hotel rooms to airfares and everything in between. On that note, have a great day ahead. This was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you, including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening. Listening.